Kia ora Urban Vineyard. I'm really sorry I can't be with you this morning in person, uh, but unfortunately coronavirus has made a visit to the Rankin household and we're at home isolating uh, and uh, trying, trying to recover. Um, and so uh, hopefully this video of my talk will run alongside the excellent video uh, by Belinda Stott and the team from Soul Tours New Zealand. So on Monday, uh, Emma will send out an email and if you're not on the urban email list, just have a talk to her and get yourself added to that and there'll be a link to watch the video either in a small group, uh, there's groups that meet here uh, on, a, on a Tuesday and a Wednesday night, I know there's some G3s and G2s that meet around the city uh, and at the very least just if you're only doing it by yourself then uh, click on that link and watch that video and uh, hopefully it will it will fill in some of the gaps because I'm not going to be able to go into much technical or, or therapeutic detail around the different types of depression that people suffer and the potential treatment of those conditions today um, it, but there's excellent information and resources in that video. Uh, but what I am trying to do today is just give some encouragement and some hope from the scriptures and also to look at the lives of ordinary people like you and I who are walking along the road of life and sometimes hit a bump in the road or sometimes fall into a crevasse in the road as we're just trying to get on with life. <clears throat> and those bumps or crevasses uh, are often clumped together in this one word, depression. And we'll see that depression is a common experience for humans. And most of us, if not all of us, have had some experience of depression, whether it's just from, from having a, flu, a few blue days and feeling pretty bad and sorry for yourself, right through to clinical depression where, where we need some uh, therapeutic help and some medical help. Um, all of us have down days. All of us have difficult periods in our lives. And, and one of the realities is this, is that God is with us in the midst of those things. And so I, I want to talk about that. And this, this series is dealing primarily with issues of the soul. And I thought it'd be helpful just to start, uh, before, we, before we talk more about depression and, and how to flourish in the midst of depression, uh, about looking at what the soul is. Humans are made in the image of God, and so it's just the same as God is a tripartite being, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, uh, completely connected, uh, but, but distinct, uh, distinct uh, parts of who God is. We also are tripartite. We're made of body, soul, and spirit. You know, our, our body, uh, this is a very simplistic view, obviously, but our body is, is our flesh and our bones and our blood. Um, our spirit is, it also has these three, these three functions. Our spirit has the ability it, it, to, uh, to be able to communicate spirit to spirit. It has the ability to commune spirit to spirit, to, to be able to, to derive life from another spiritual being. And it also, it also contains our conscience. And our soul is primarily our mind or our intellect, uh, our will, the, the, our, our decision-making part, and our emotions. And, and again, it's interesting that our emotions, the word emotion comes from the Latin word movere, which just simply means to move. And so, and so our soul is made up of this part of our mind, our will, and our emotions. And, and what depression does, depression affects us in the area of our soul. And the areas that we've talked about so far, about burnout, about dealing with fear, about dealing with grief, and today about dealing with depression, are conditions, human conditions that affect us in the area of our soul. And what we're looking for is to flourish 
and every part of our body, body, soul, and spirit is, is uh, I think it's 3 John talks about that. So our spirituality and our physicality both have profound effects on our soul. You know, for example, when our, when our body is sick, it affects our soul. You know, I, I battled with uh, depressive feelings uh, after I had a, a, a stroke at the age of 40, after a, a fateful visit to a chiropractor. And I had nightmares for, for a number of years after that. I struggled with fear and things that used to be a, a great delight to me. You know, I, I've, I never feared the ocean. I loved the ocean before that time. But, but after having the stroke, I was really fearful in the water. And I was going out of my little dinghy and, and a little dinghy sailor. Um, uh, sorry, a, a sailing dinghy, I should say. Uh, you know, I, I, all of a sudden I was fearful at just the smallest chop. And it was the strangest thing. I was... I was feared being in the surf on my board. But what, what happened is I, as, as I healed, slowly that, that joy came back in being in the ocean. And, and, and again, you know, our, our, when our spirituality is weak or when it's been diminished, it also affects our soul. Now, the Bible talks about the, the battlefield as often being in the mind. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 to 5, Paul writes, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And so we, we know this from experience, that depression affects, it affects our soul. It affects the way we think. It affects the way we feel. It affects our ability to make good decisions. And it just affects our emotions. We, we, we are depressed. It presses us down. Uh, and it, but so much of it happens in this area of the mind. <clears throat> it, it obviously touches every part of us, but the battlefield so often is this area of the mind. And, and I want to talk a little bit about, you know, how do we, so how do we fight back? Um, John Mark Comer has a, a lovely book, his, his recent book called Live No Lies. And in here, in that book, he talks about these, these three forces in the world that, that work against us, the devil, the flesh, and the world. And, and the devil is the deceptive ideas that then play to the flesh, that play, that play to our disordered desires that are normalized in a sinful society, the world. And so what we find ourselves in is we're, we're trying to walk straight in a crooked world. We're, we're, we're trying to live a kingdom life in a fallen world. And, and part of that, in, in its, and just part of our human existence is often we find ourselves losing a battle. Uh, you know, unfortunately, I, I, wish, I wish I could put my hand on my heart and say, I've always won. I've always got things right. But the reality is we get things wrong. We get beaten down. We get vulnerable. And oftentimes, one of the results of that can, can be that our soul gets sick. And, and, one of the, and one of the sicknesses our soul can get is depression. So let, let me talk a little bit about what depression is. See, it seems strange that a beautiful country like Aotearoa has such a high level of anxiety and depression and just a, a wickedly high youth suicide rate. You know, we've got everything going for us, but things are clearly going wrong in society. And what depression is, as the name suggests, is the feeling and experience of being pushed down to, to depress. Uh, to let the air out of our tires, to, to have the joy of our life leak out of us. 
You know, the human experience is to reach forward and to reach up. But what depression does is it pushes us down. I, I want to read you something from a lovely book by a guy called Richard Winter. It's a book called When Life Goes Dark. He says the word depression is used to, carry a, to uh, cover a whole range of feelings, from a fleeting sense of unhappiness to profound, enduring suicidal hopelessness. All of us have ups and downs each day that are usually related to the frustrations and disappointments of normal life. Sometimes a sense of dejection colours our thoughts and activities for hours or even days as we come to terms with a broken relationship, a failed exam, lack of promotion at work, the loss of a job, or plans foiled by other unexpected circumstances. But most of the time, most of us will live with a range of experiences of happiness and sadness and will really hit the dark places of despair and hopelessness. However, in recent years, a concern has emerged that we are losing the subtleties of language that describe the middle range of emotions between extreme happiness and suicidal depression. With the common claim that depression and anxiety can be treated easily with a pill, it seems that any unhappiness may be defined as depression. So I, I, I want to unpack that just a little bit with us. <clears throat> Hopefully right now there's a slide that's coming up, but I think it's, uh, it's from the, uh, I think it might be from the Mental Health Foundation. And it talks about uh, some symptoms of depression. And, and again, we, we need to differentiate between different levels or types of depression. You know, that, that can start from the lowest thing of just feeling a little bit blue and having a bad day and, and feeling a bit sorry for ourselves right through the depths of clinical depression, which need professional help and meds to come through. So this is a list of, of symptoms and, and uh, their, their advice is that if we have three or more of these symptoms over the past two weeks, we should probably act on it. Just don't, don't push it down further. Uh, finding it hard to get motivated and feel interested in things. Wanting to hide away from everyday activities and friends. Difficulty concentrating or making decisions. Not interested in eating. Losing weight, even though not dieting. Gaining a lot of weight. Finding it hard to go to sleep or waking during the night or wanting to sleep all the time. Thinking about suicide or planning suicide. Having unpleasant thoughts a lot. For example, like feeling guilty or thinking you're a bad or unworthy person getting pains in your body, or headaches that don't seem to have any physical cause. And like I say, all of us have days when we feel sorry for ourselves and feel like everyone is against us. Everybody else has it easy. They get blessings, I get nothing. Life, you know, life's, life's hard for me. And that's probably the lightest level of depression. You know, I, I, I don't think any of us got through our 10 years without having some of those feelings. You know, we, we all had our offers rejected, our hearts broken, our youthful enthusiasm made fun of. And, and for the most part, those feelings are pretty transitory. They last until the next int interesting thing comes along, or a parent's kindness pulls, it, pulls us through it, or a friend kind of helps us move on. But obviously, for some teenagers, these can spiral down into a much deeper depression. And without help and intervention, Way, way, way too many New Zealand teenagers choose to end their lives. And suicide is never the answer. It's always a tragedy. And it's not always simple to spot. 
You know, again, one of the things I wanted to do today in this talk was just talk about ordinary people. But let me, let me talk about a couple of extraordinary people for a start. You know, the, there's a man called Charles Spurgeon who was, the, um, who was known as the, the, the Prince of Preachers. Uh, he was an uh, English Baptist uh, preacher. Uh, and and he, he probably uh, formed and, and pastored the world's first megachurch. But, but in his writings, he talks about moment, you know, these long periods of time when he was deeply troubled by deep depression. A, another hero of mine, Winston Churchill, you know, certainly not a perfect man, but he was, he was the amazing prime minister of, of Great Britain during the Battle of Britain and, and, uh, and, and the latter days of the Second World War and, and was able to lead that nation and, and uh, participate in the leadership of the Allies to defeat Nazi Germany. And, uh, but he also struggled with periods of depression regularly. He called, he, in fact, he gave his depression a name. He called it the Black Dog. And, uh, and again, I think on a, on a slide, there's a picture of a book called The Black Dog, which, which is a beautiful book for if, if you're kind of struggling with feelings of depression. It's a really lovely, simple book that just, again, it's put out by people who are trying to help uh, uh, serve our mental health. And, um, and in the book, it's, it just kind of talks about, you know, a person who just always has this little black dog. And sometimes it's just a little black dog. Sometimes it's a snarling beast of a black dog uh, and and it's all about kind of recognizing what's going on for us you know the reality is this I, I think I, I thought I'd tell a couple of my stories um, just so you kind of go this this is you know this is normal you know all of us can suffer from depression um, in my 50s I, I realized that a lot of people lose their way and do dumb things you know we we, we joke about uh, you know men and having their midlife crisis and going out and buying a sports car and a, and a gold chain and all that sort of stuff well i i, I kind of when i hit my 50s i i realized you know i, I don't want to mess up i i don't want to spend the rest of my life regretting stupid decisions that i made so i i began to meet with a professional supervisor because i really wanted to finish my life well and the reality was I was tired. I was working with a brain injury that had come from that stroke. And I find, found myself sort of spiraling down and, and getting more and more negative about life. Um, and in reality, I was, I was actually feeling a, a little bit hopeless and stuck in a rut and feeling pretty sorry for myself. And this one memorable session, after talking about how I've seen the future and how nothing was going to make any difference and no matter how hard I worked, nothing ever changed, uh, my supervisor said to me, he said, well, Lloyd, you're suffering from catastrophic fantasizing with awfulizing. And I said, those are the most magnificent words I've ever heard. That's incredible. My reaction was just to stop and laugh and say, I've got to write that down because I, I so have to use that word. Catastrophic catastrophic fantasizing with awfulizing but in other words I, I was looking at a normal situation and just going like it's, it's just a catastrophe and it's so awful and, and, and it's just going to get worse and worse and worse but I knew that he was right when he said those words and it was it was almost like those words jolted me out of that out of that spiral down and, and helped me just kind of go I don't want to be like that I I want to I want to come back out of that I saw it for how stupid it was and it really helped me uh, but nonetheless a, a few years later I uh, again meeting with the supervisor um, and, and I'd had a few 
reasonably significant discouragements. But it's, it's funny, I wasn't feeling particularly down, but I just felt tired all the time. And, and you know, my, my phlegmatic personality that doesn't have huge highs and lows was pretty much flatlining uh, more than normal. And again, my supervisor, he said to me, you, you, are, you, you look like you're depressed. To which I said, I, should, I don't feel sad, I feel, I feel fine. And, and he said, well, the reality is, you know, you're 30 years tired. You've worked two full-time jobs for the last 30 years, and your tank is empty. He says, it's a strange thing, but you've got atypical depression. I, I, think, I think he'd love telling me bizarre things. So I, I had atypical depression, being depressed without feeling depressed. And my response was, isn't that awesome? I can't even do depression properly. Um, and one of my friends still teases me about having atypical tiredness, atypical hunger, uh, a, atypical whatever. Uh, but anyway, I took him seriously. And I, and I talked with my GP who agreed with the assessment and prescribed some, some typical meds for anxiety and depression. And I, I got home, I, I, got, I picked up the pills from the pharmacy and got home and looked at those pills and read the side effects and thought, do you know what, I just don't want to take these things. And I talked with Victoria and together we decided, I, I think I've got to work on the causes of this rather than the symptoms. And, and we ruthlessly began to change what could be changed. Now, now, let me just note also in here that there's absolutely nothing wrong with taking meds. I did, I, it wasn't that I thought it was wrong to take the meds, um, but, it, but I just had that little nudge that deal with, the, deal, with the, deal with the cause, not with the symptoms. But the reality is this, if you can do without meds, do without them. But if you can't, then please take them. They're going to help you and they're going to help sort of stabilize you so then you can start working with the things so there's absolutely no shame in taking meds you know the reality is for some reason we've become a deeply anxious society for for reasons that are way too numerous to try and address in this talk so like i say if you if you need them take them and don't feel ashamed about it uh, but make just make sure that you're taking them with people who love you and are actively caring for you and, and again, I guess one of the reasons I told you a couple of my stories is to help us remember that we don't need to feel ashamed or embarrassed about getting depressed. It's such a common human condition. You know, often the feeling is, and, and, and for me, it's, it's almost always like this. I feel like, what a loser feeling depressed. That's pathetic. Uh, and yet it's just to be merely human. You know, in and, and the same way from last week's beautiful teaching that Victoria did about grief, you can only grieve what you've loved. And the only way to live a life untouched by grief is to never love. And depression is much the same. The only way to not get depressed is not to try and reach for something. It's not to try and become something. It's not to try and change something, to, just to leave everything untouched. But to touch the world and to want to make it a better place for you and others is gonna set you up with a date with depressed feelings uh, somewhere along the line. It's human to go high and it's human to feel low. So let me, let me conclude this with, with just a, a few thoughts around how God uh, responds to depressed people. The Bible is a raw, honest book with plenty of people who wrestled with depression, often after spiritual or strategic highs. A mountaintop experience can only ever be followed by a slump descending that mountain. 
I, I, I want to I, I talk about you know, how God responded to Moses who, who found himself in that place, to Elijah who found himself in that place. Moses uh, in uh, Numbers chapter 11, verses 11 through 15, had a bit of a bump in the road. <clears throat> it says this, verse 11. He asked the Lord, why have you brought this trouble on your servant? Why have I, what have I done to displease you that you put the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth? Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms as a nurse carries an infant to the land that you promised on oath to their ancestors? Where can I get meat for all these people? They keep wailing to me. Give me meat. Give us meat to eat. I cannot carry these people by myself. The burden is too heavy. If this is how you're going to treat me, please go ahead and kill me. If I have found favor in your eyes, do not let me face my own ruin. You know, Moses got so worn out, so discouraged, and so depressed that he asked God to kill him. And he's not the only biblical character who had that same thought. And, and uh, Emma mentioned Elijah in the first talk. And uh, let, me, let me read again from 1 Kings uh, chapter 19. Verses four and five. Elijah was afraid. Elijah had done this incredible uh, power encounter with the prophets of Baal, and uh, won the day. Was incredible, and then uh, then Ahab told his wife Jezebel what Elijah had done, and uh, and Jezebel says, "That's it. We're going to kill him." Uh, and Elijah was afraid, verse 3, ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and he came to a broom bush, sat under it and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. And then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. And he looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and then laid down again. And the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. And strengthened by the food, he travelled forty days and forty nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night. Now these are very, very human people. They're people who... who Faced, you know, they were on mountaintops having incredible experiences and then coming down were just hit with this depression of, and, and, you know, so much so that they were suicidal. They were like, God, just kill me. I, I, I can't keep on. This is too hard. Do you know, it's, it's an interesting thing that, that what depression does, uh, it, it causes us to lose perspective. And, and, and so often what we need is just something to bring us back into perspective. You know, and twice the angel brought uh, Elijah food and drink and kind words and a sleep. And, and, it's, and it's fascinating how simple things like food and wise friends and a sleep restore perspective. In my 40 years of pastoring, uh, and, and I, I don't mean this in a trite way, but, but I've found that a, that a huge number of problems that, that folks have, uh, people like us face, you know, all the time, are often solved by a good meal, by a good sleep, and a good chat. It's incredible. I, I, I know that sounds simplistic and I don't mean it to be simplistic, but the reality is this. Some of these things that, 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 we, that we read about with Moses and Elijah are just things that are just so normal. 
I mean, another another thing that uh, when we think about how does God respond to us? Because again, depression is when we lose perspective somewhat. Um, I, I remember a time early, in, very early on when I was a youth pastor and I got really down and I couldn't work out why it was down because everything was working so well. And it was like this, just this heavy, dull, gray blanket settled on me and, and just everything turns to turn to gray. It's like that lyric in that beautiful song, you know, when colored dreams fade to gray. And fortunately at that time, I had a wise pastor who helped me see what, what was happening. And he said, you know, the reality is that you've become visionless. You've worked so hard to, to work, to create, and, and, to, and to fulfill this vision, and it's happened. And now you're empty. And now you feel down. And I was floundering in depression until that moment. And then realizing that, and realizing, oh my goodness, you're absolutely right. I've got nothing in front of me. I, and, and, and I'm born to, to, to take the next step, to, to reach forward. Uh, and it was, you know, and in that moment, it helped me. It gave me a fresh perspective again. And so often that's what God will do. He'll say, right, what's the next thing? You know, to Elijah, it was like, okay, get up. You're going to be walking for 40 days and 40 nights, and I'll give you the next assignment. Again, one of the things, one of the ways that God uh, helps us when we're depressed or helps us depress, uh, helps us help other people who are depressed is just through these things of, of, of connection. You know, being with people is often the last thing you feel like when you're depressed. It's like, I, I just want to be by myself. And, and, and it's a really interesting book, this book, and I highly recommend it. It's not, not a Christian book, not coming from a Christian perspective at all. But this book, Lost Connections by Johan Harry, and, and his thesis is that we feel lost and depressed because we've lost our connections, our connections to ourselves, our connection to nature, our connection to family and to friends. And as Christians, we, you know, we'd add another one that you know, we can lose our connection to God. We lose our right perspective and we drift into depression. You know, that's why the, the worst thing that we can do when we're feeling blue or when we're feeling depressed is to isolate. Um, you know, one of the, and again, I don't mean this as in, a, in a crude sense, but one of the things you notice when an animal gets sick, it always goes and separates itself. Uh, you, you know, we, we, um, we used to have a, a few sheep grazing our, uh, our, um, our acre of land that we live on. And, um, and you could always tell when one of the sheep was getting unwell. When it, it, you know, maybe it was getting fly strike or it had got some worms or something. In it. And it was, you could always tell because it separated itself from the rest of the flock. And it was a great, it was a great sign to kind of go. I need this, there needs an, we need an intervention here. Um, and again, we know that the last thing that we feel like doing when we're depressed is to go and be with people. But it's actually the most important thing we could do. God gives us one another to really help out, uh, one another. Again, you know, God, God's given us His Word, analog and digital, and by the Spirit. Uh, and and that word is is life to us. It, it, he's able to just breathe into our hearts, or as we read it, speak into us uh, a living word. As as Hebrews four verse twelve tells us, the, the for the word of God is alive and it's active, sharper than any two edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. 
It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. It's able to get into, the, into our tripartite nature and say, your soul is not well at the moment. Let me, let me just show you what needs to be adjusted. You know, and, and then so often he'll speak to us through his word. It will give us life. You know, one of my favorite scriptures when, when, I'm, when I'm in that place of, of just, you know, tiredness, feeling a little sorry for myself, feeling a little bit depressed, is this verse in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. You know, and, and very often I'll, I'll, I'll almost physically pick out what feels like a load to me. You know, my sadness, my frustration, my anger maybe. Or, or, or you know, or, or just that heaviness that I can't even put my, I can't even put a, a word on to describe it. And I'll just roll it onto him and say, it's yours. This is too big for me to carry. I'm, I'm just so discouraged by this. So casting all our fear, casting all our cares, casting all our anxiety, casting all our depressive thoughts on him because he cares for us. So let me, let me wrap this up. Depression is a very human condition, but it doesn't have to overwhelm us. And there's some, there's some responses, you know, as I said right at the beginning, our, both our physicality and our spirituality can impact on our, on our soul. And, and so there's bodily responses. You know, often the, the, most, the most sensible things for us to do when we're feeling down is, is to go do some exercise, go for a walk, ride a bike, uh, you know, go for, go for a walk at the beach. You know, for, for me, the beach is always this place where I reorientate. I, I, I remember he's big, I'm small. He's right, I'm wrong. You know, he's, he knows where he's going. And, and it just puts everything back in perspective. I've got to say this too. Sunday gatherings are such an important, um, they're, they're such an important thing for me. They're, 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 this, they're this centering thing. It's like, the, it's, it's like the plumb line of my life. And I come and remember, this is what's important. Being with these people, experiencing God, opening my heart in worship and allowing his word to transform me, letting, letting his life and his reality recalibrate uh, my reality. Um, but again, getting back to these bodily responses, you know, nature is so good for us. Sunlight's so good for us. A little hard at the moment because we're in the middle of winter um, and in the middle of a rainstorm. But, you know, good food, good sleep, all these things can adjust the dark feelings that we may be feeling. The temptation is to, is to embrace the dark feelings and to go deeper. And, and, but our body can, inter, it can intercept that. And by just choosing to do some of these things, can it can turn that turn that depressive spiral around? Uh, again, you know, this this responses that our soul can make. You know, this this things that, you know, there's times when I <clears throat> I find it's really helpful just to read some stuff. Not always the scriptures. You know, sometimes you know, hand on heart. Sometimes reading the scriptures doesn't seem to help me. But reading a Christian book or reading a, reading a book about, you know, a, a book about someone's story, you know, those kind of things just, just help me get things back in perspective again. Watch something that's, that's uplifting, you know, that shifts our perspective. You know, let our, let our will get moving and, 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 start, and start ordering our body around a bit. <clears throat> and so often what will happen is our, our emotions will begin to line up with that reality. And then finally, just our spiritual responses. And I want to finish with this, and I'd encourage you, encourage you to meditate on this and, this, and, and to make this a practice. This is not new, um, but, but to make this a practice every day, to get up and, and to clothe ourselves in the full armor of God. So in Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 18, 
Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. So, so when he says put it on, it means that, you know, it, it means that it's an active thing. You know, we, we take it off maybe when we go to sleep at night. We put it on when we get up in the morning. So put on the full armor of God. It's an act. When we know that we're, we're going to be facing a trying circumstance, when we know that we're, that we're going to be stretched, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And the, and the reality is this. Sometimes depression is something that comes from the outside onto us. Sometimes it's from the inside out from us. But, but both things are, are really important, and we need to put on the full armor of God. So put on, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. So stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. This, this is a pictorial way, a pictorial way to, to describe what we do as, as we speak to our soul. I'm going to put on truth. I may not feel like it, but it's true. I'm going to believe the scriptures. Uh, Put the breastplate of righteousness in place. Be, you know, again, sometimes, you know, this, this morning you, we will have celebrated communion together. And often what communion does, it reminds us that the blood of Jesus washes us from all sin. We stand before Jesus in right standing, righteous, the righteousness of God. You know, any accusation against us is dealt with through the blood of Jesus. And we don't need to, we don't need to nurture any feelings of unrighteousness. With your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. That we're, we're on a mission. We're here for a purpose. We're here, for, we're here to make a difference in the very brief time that we walk on this earth. And in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the enemy. You know, all, all those thoughts, all those accusations that come, that come against us, we have the shield of faith. We say, that's not me. That I... I I don't accept that. I, I push that back. I'm not going to let that. Uh, there's, a, there's a really corny saying that says you can't stop a, a bird landing in, on your head, but you can stop it from building a nest. And, and, and it's like that. You can't stop terrible thoughts coming at you, but you can push them away and say, I'm not going to let that stay there. And, and there's you know, lots of different ways of doing that, but it's the shield of faith. And, um, and take the helmet of salvation over our mind, you know, that, that, we, that we've been made new in Christ, that we, the day we were baptized, the old had passed away and the new has come. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Now, I know I'm talking about a, a really big subject and trying to put it together in a very simple talk. But I, I hope there's some things in here that maybe maybe have just lifted you like, you know, like that, like, like that counselor saying to me, you've got, you, you know, you've got catastrophic uh, awfulization with fantasizing or, or whatever the words were, you know, that would just snap us out of something that just a reminder of something that God said to us that, that can lift us out of that and maybe it's maybe it's being with people maybe it's a good a good meal and a good and a good sleep but whatever it is that you need today i pray that god will give it to you so I, I, would you pray with me so holy spirit i pray 
Lord, that um, Lord, we know that this condition of depression in all its various forms is something that's very human. It's something about trying to live a life in a broken world. And, and, and Lord, that this, this is something that we're all going to have to face and we're all going to have to fight. And we probably will until our dying breath. We'll have to push this away from time to time. So Lord, I pray for my sisters and my brothers that you would give us strategies, that you would give us faithful friends, that you would, uh, Lord, that, that we'd be able to strengthen both our body, our soul, and our spirit, that we might flourish in the midst of a, of a trying world. So would you come amongst us? Would you move amongst us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you very much.